Hi, I'm Grant. Today we're visiting old Las Vegas. Welcome to Grant Rants. Today I have a guest. My guest today is Janet Nordine, a licensed marriage and family therapist and play therapist supervisor. Uh, hey Janet, how did we meet? Well Grant, you and I met the day that I remember watching the news and the Iraqi war had just started. I had just gone to the doctor and they confirmed that I was indeed pregnant with you. <laughs> and that was the first time I heard your heartbeat. So I came home and I watched the news and this was this awful thing that had started this war, but I didn't care because I was having a baby. Right, I remember it very thoroughly. I was in, in your womb <laughs> thinking, wow, what does this mean for the future of our country and the presidency of George yes. H.W. Bush, but you know. <laughs> of course you would have been. Very, very contemplative fetus I was. Yes, you were. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mom. Thanks. Thanks for having me. What an honor to be your first guest. Right. I, I thought, who better to talk to you first about important things like the Gulf War than your own mother? Bring her on the show. I'll stop calling you by your first name now that we've dropped this bit. Okay. <laughs> but I was texting you this week about um, coming on to the show and what you and I may talk about, because you're an expert in a lot of different things throughout my life and experiences. You have a lot of uh, therapy experience under your belt. You're an accomplished blogger and podcaster guest in your own right. Um, if memory serves, very good at healing things like boo-boos and uh, <laughs> things of that nature. But you wanted to talk about um, our, our hometown. I can say our hometown, both of ours. Yes. And, and the history tied to that. So you wanted to talk about Old Town Vegas, as we like to refer to it. Mm -hmm. Las Vegas, as the locals would call it. <laughs> Your old Las Vegas, not yes. this Vegas nonsense the Golden Knights force upon us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess um, the most important question for why would you want to discuss Old Vegas? What parts of Old Vegas um, ring important to you? Like, how would you consider yourself mm. that with your life? That was a weird way to phrase that. <laughs> Well, I was, you know, as you know, born here in the Valley. I was born in Henderson, Nevada, which in the time of my birth was called uh, Henderson, but also nicknamed Hooterville or the, there was a big cloud from all the chemical plants that were there. But that's where my history here started with Las Vegas. And I grew up in a part of town that's now kind of a rundown part of town, but at the time it was called Greater Las Vegas. And I had kind of this wonderful childhood where I you know, hung out in the streets and came in when the streetlights came on and we would go to the grocery store and my parents would always see people they knew. So that's the Vegas that I grew up with, kind of that small town feel. That's and very I, different from what it is now. <laughs> yes, yes. Vegas, Las Vegas is a weird place because in some communities, so I work in mental health, so the mental health community is large but very small. Many people know each other within the community. Um, same with like the hotel industry where I used to work. It's very large, but people know each other that have been around a long time. So it's this large town with small communities within the town. And I still enjoy and appreciate that kind of feeling among people. 
Yeah, I would say part of that is even still partially true with the town, that whole several small towns smashed into mm-hmm. one large town kind of vibe. Because like, even when uh, Ari and I briefly lived in Summerlin, the vibe of, of that part of town was starkly different from going down to like, um, you know, Centennial or sure. downtown or things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something that uh, where you grew up used to be called, you say Hooter, Hooterville? <laughs> Hooterville. That's what Henderson used to be called back in the day. There used to be this thing called, I don't, just was, it's like, that was kind of the, I don't know if this is the right term, kind of like rednecky part of town where like lots of industrial people lived. Um, The history of Henderson is it was built because the dam um, was being built in Boulder City. So like a lot of the workers lived in Henderson, kind of like these little small houses are still in the downtown part of Henderson. But um, yeah, there used to be an industrial part of the town and there used there was a cloud that would sit over around the mountain and you'd get up in the morning, you see this, it's called the Henderson Cloud, it was such an original name. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just, it was just what it was called. It's not called that anymore, but right, unless, you're, unless you're a native and you remember it being called that. I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever heard that, or if I did, I do not remember, because mm-hmm. when I hear Hooter, I think of an entirely different establishment. Of course you do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, there, there was a, there's a part of Henderson where the people that were building the dam lived called Pittman, and old-time folks know that that Pittman was a different part of Henderson. What part of Henderson was that? Um, near the hospital actually where I was born so there was these small kind of like railroad size houses you know where people that lived in small small houses and so that was just the part of town that they called Pittman. Okay so yeah that 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 was something I was interested in because you're you're not like when we we say old Vegas I think people have that that old Vegas mind so they oh his mom must have been around like the Rat Pack were performing Mm -hmm. and stuff and that's not the vibe we're talking about but it's interesting that even when you were a kid, you still had that like homely old town, like street lights go on. That's mm-hmm. when you come home kind of like. Yeah, it was um, safe. I mean, I walked to school as a second grader by myself. Yeah, that, that was actually something I wanted to, to hit on there because mm-hmm. you've had the unique experience of both being a kid in Vegas and then raising your own kids yes. in Vegas what was the the biggest differences you would see? Mm -hmm. Well, I went to two different elementary schools. So when I was in first, second, third grade, I went to a public school um, called Hallie Hewitson. And now it's in one of the poorest part of towns. But back then it was, you know, uh, kind of the Summerlin of Las Vegas. Um, Those people that know Summerlin, they know that's, you know, a little bit more white collar, maybe higher end, a little, some wealth. So Um, I would walk to school and then I would walk home nobody I actually came home for lunch too I would walk home for lunch because we live pretty close to the school which is unheard of now kids just go to the lunchroom and eat yeah Um, (laughs) the other thing that stands out to me about being in second grade possibly third grade is the Las Vegas school district was segregated and that was the year they unsegregated school and I clearly remember this and I've shared this with other people so oh that's um, wild yeah, being a little kid on the playground, having yellow buses pull up and having children get out of them that looked completely different than me. So the, the black community was bused to the, the white schools. And then I remember thinking, those kids look different than me. I wonder what I wondered about that. So <laughs> I, I hadn't remembered seeing many African-American or black people at that time. So that was this new experience for me. 
that is why I didn't yeah. know. And I'm and I'm fifty four. So, so on that. yeah, yeah, I'm well, like doing I'm the math in my head. So like, you're born sure. in sixty five, second or third grade. That's got to be like early seventies. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that's... and then um, during that time, my parents took me out of um, took my brother and I out of traditional um, public school and they put us in a private school and the reason for that is that after the schools got desegregated they decided um, the sixth grade students would be shipped to what was called the west side at the time which was the black community and we would go to school for sixth grade in their schools and they shipped their children from that community into our community so we were desegregated so for oh, sixth so grade, I would have gone to a completely different school, spent a couple of hours on a bus back and forth every day. So my huh. parents decided to put us in private school to avoid that happening. That had a much happier ending than the, the beginning alluded to. Because <laughs> it starts with like, oh, well, our, our school got desegregated. So my parents pulled me out. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. They didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with the amount of time on a bus. Okay, that makes a lot mm-hmm. more logical for sense. Sure. I was getting a little nervous there for a second. Yeah. Like, oh, no, Grandma, no. <laughs> no so that was that that's growing up your schools are suddenly desegregated and you mm-hmm. have oh I mean as, as long as I've known you that like inquisitive mind I mean your reaction like oh yeah. I wonder why they're different super as curious to like, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so what yeah. was the then, transition like if anything um you mean having these new students in our school yeah I mean I'm sure it wasn't like a total like cultural shift for you as a person but I know like, but I do you know I was kind of a shy kid shocking I know it's probably surprising what? yeah I, I had this um kind of this dual personality when I'd get in trouble in class because I would talk and be out of my chair but I was also quiet and shy around peers so I do remember like going to the lunchroom when I would have lunch at school and all of the kids that came from that part of the community would always stay together and all of us would stay together and I wanted to like make friends and try to get to know people but it just was we just didn't do that right so mm-hmm. yeah so you're a little bit more introverted but you're still uh-huh yeah no that I can makes be totally. I can be friendly <laughs> you've always been friendly for as long as I've known you yeah that makes it sound like we've only been friends for a few years. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you, you have that experience of growing up and then you did high school uh, mm-hmm. here in town. What was the, and you were a high schooler, I want to say 80s, right? I did. Well, I graduated in 84, class of 84, born to soar. That's right. That, that <laughs> you, the minute you said I was born class of, I was like, it's going to come right back in my yep. brain. I've heard that chance so many yes. times from you. And you've always said you were the last single digit class, 09. That's yeah. Or they went to doubles. Yeah. Oh nine was the last of the, the ones that made some kind of logical sense in our brain. We had to like mm-hmm. oh then you know the year you're yeah graduating. Oh ten sounded weird. Oh ten didn't feel right <laughs> to me, but I mean, it may have been early onset curmudgeonliness. Could have been yes. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Um, so teenager in the eighties, going to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in a more religious household what was your experience like with that while also living in you know sin city (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yes i did grow up in a religious home my family um stayed active in the lds church until probably i was about 11 or 12 and then we moved from greater las vegas to a new home um on the outskirts where there was still a dirt road where we lived but um my parents didn't go to church at that time so I didn't go to church until I was in my teenage years and got active in the youth program so Mm. 
Um, there was a little bit of both going on. So in a religious household, but not with family that was really following and attending. But I had that foundation. Right. Yeah. I, I, I remember um, grandma and grandpa kind of like, oh, grandpa and Nana and talking about um, uh-huh. a little bit of that, not super going into like the reasoning or anything. Sure. But um, so you're, you're a teenager in the 80s. You're, you're going through kind of your own self-discovery mm-hmm. process there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You want to expound a little bit on uh, the reasoning why you wanted to go back or was there anything about the town that was intriguing or anything of that nature? Those are um, two different questions. Yeah, why I wanted to go back to church or what was interesting about Las Vegas? <laughs> I know, I asked that and I was like, wait a minute. I just went on two completely different tangents there. So yeah, I mean, th- I guess that was it. So your, your parents stopped becoming like active around your like 11 mm-hmm. or 12 year old. Um, what, what prompted you to want to like go back and be sure. more active into it? You know, as I, I've actually been reflecting on this with um, people in my life and the reason for that is I felt pretty isolated where we moved even though we were the only house out on this dirt road. My parents had built this big house and we had animals and goats and things like that, but not a lot of friends close by. So when I did meet the leaders of the youth program and um, one in particular took, kind of took me under her wing and made sure I got to activities, it was really about a sense of community, having a place where I felt I fit in. Um, as an adult, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you find groups of people that you feel comfortable with, you feel safe with, and that's where I felt comfortable and safe. And people nurtured me and took care of me and made sure I was showing up for things and made sure I was kind of on the straight and narrow path. Um, my brother had was not on the straight and narrow path. So there was, I think, on their part, the youth leaders, some concerns that that could have been a path I could have gone on. So they just kind of took care of me. And still, yeah. I'm friends with that person to this day. You you know her. She's been at like every wedding and every everything for our family. But yep. yeah, I just, you know. I appreciate those women at that time that care took me and nurtured me. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. I think it's easy to, to fall into that. Even like, you know, me being the extrovert that I am, like, I think everyone longs for a sense of community. And I remember mm-hmm. similar age, you know, finding like high school theater and stuff. And of course. Falling yeah. into that hole. Uh, yeah. That hole, haha, <laughs> get it? Mm-hmm. But um. <laughs> so, so, so you were looking for that sense of belonging there. Was there, uh, were, would you have been considered a rebellious kid in high school? Like, were people like concerned you were going to start acting no, up? No, I don't think so. But I mean, in junior high, when, you know, nobody knows, they lose their mind, kind of, you know, we all just kind of <laughs> go through this. It's actually documented. Your brain goes through this process called peeling, where it just starts to grow really quickly and things start to form and your neurotransmitters change. So, um, making good decisions as a teenager or as a young adult or young teenager, 11, 12, 13 is difficult. You know, people talk about, Oh, my kid was fine. And then they turned 13 and you're like, what's happened to them? That's what's happening. So um, I definitely was probably in seventh grade at a new school, having just come out of private school, um, not knowing anyone probably didn't make good choices and friends because I was insecure or whatever. So that could have happened. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really easy. And, and I'm not, that's not a judgment at all, like making a, a path down a road that could have taken me to, no, that's not like, it's not like I was out behind the school, you know, selling <laughs> drugs or anything, but just not making wise choices with friends that could have influenced me in a different way. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, you're becoming like a preteen and teenager, right? And like one of the more strongest, like, anti, like, 
under the influence campaigns in U.S. Mm -hmm. history too, you know. Just say no to drugs. Right, yeah, you have (laughs) say no to drugs coming up, the war against drugs, like, you know, celebrities coming out after like, I, I, there's a commercial that I like that has like Mr. T from the A-Team uh, who <laughs> makes a career of blowing people up in For random sure. locations and I like, don't smoke and don't drink it's like okay Mr. T <laughs> so I, I think yeah. there's a lot of that that is like seeped into society at the time too you know so people yeah. are like extra concerned yeah so and then high school you know I had this set of friends and it was great and we did things together and kind of funny I look back on that time and like some of the kids would call us the god squad because we went to seminary like church school before school <laughs> it's just kind of the group that I hung out with but when I was in ninth grade and this this is something I wanted to share with you because I don't know Ooh. if we've talked much about this you do know about it there was a shooting a teacher was killed in my high school That's it was right. the first shooting really national high school killing of a teacher in the United States and that was 1982 I believe and Mr. Piggott was killed but that just altered like the way I viewed safety like I'm in school and that's happened and I remember going getting a ride from school to um, the middle school because my mom was a, a librarian there and just sitting in the chair and now that I know about trauma and how it affects people just sitting there and staring and you know, she would say, can you help this kid with so-and-so? Cause she always made me help her with the kids in the right, school yeah. and just like nothing, like nothing was happening. And there was a trauma response, you know, like I just came from a school where a teacher was killed. Right. And yeah. one of the kids I went to seminary with was shot outside the building as he was walking from seminary to the school. So yeah, it really yeah, altered. I, it uh... affected me for a while. And I didn't realize that until I think when I was older and reflected back on that. Isn't that always how it goes? Yeah, for sure. You don't know you're in it until you're out of it. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was like one of the first national things. That's sure. interesting. You know, you grew up in an era where it was sadly commonplace, more yeah. commonplace even now than even when you were in school, but that was a a big deal. Yeah, no, I I remember going to school and like when they started putting up like metal detectors like mm-hmm. at the the front yeah. of the school and in the cafeteria and libraries and things like that. Um, I don't think we ever had like a major incident or anything, mm-hmm. but I do remember, you know, you have to do all the like the shelter in place drills. Right. The, uh, I remember like my last day of high school, there was reportedly someone like wandering around the campus. Like, ah, I forget what it was. I think they had like a knife or something. They came from the apartments that were across yeah. the, the street where I went to your school. Your school was on lockdown because of those apartments across the street once. I do yeah. remember. Either something was going on on campus or close enough to campus where they put mm-hmm. us on lockdown. Yeah. And, you know, the, the seriousness of it certainly wasn't lost on us, but it was also like the last day of school, senior year, like for reals of all the yeah. days. you had Let to us do out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I finished my Japanese test. Let me out. I'm done. Set me free. <laughs> on a, I guess a, a lighter note. Mm, I know um, that was heavy. No, I mean, I'm glad we can have those conversations. That's, it, it's cool to, not, yeah. not cool to know it, but like important to know it and reflect back on those and how like, you know, some of the reasons why your town may be famous wouldn't be like the reasons other people associate sure. with that. Like people mm-hmm. don't immediately think Vegas is like 
oh, that must be unsafe. They see us like it's like an entertainment capital and things like that. Correct. I, yeah. I'm sure you get this as you get to travel for your career a lot, but you probably tell people you're from Vegas. Like, oh, I can see you a little bit. Yes. So <laughs> as you know, I worked at the Mirage Hotel for 10 years mm -hmm. um, from before a year, before I was married until 1998, I left there. So people would ask us, legitimately ask us, where do you live? I live here in Las Vegas. Well, I know, but like what hotel? Like I have a house that's, you know, several <laughs> miles from here. Um, or they would ask like, well, do you have kids? Yes. Where do they go to school? At a school, like regular school, you know, people just didn't um, associate like home life with Las Vegas life. They only oh, they saw the strip. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It, it's funny that people still don't, given how much national news we've made recently with the sports teams and right. the uh, and the, the other big shooting that happened here. I guess that, that facade mm -hmm. is starting to chip away a little bit, but I remember yeah. just going places and people would look at like, oh, what casino do you live at? Like, oh, like, you know, how would you possibly have gone to school? Like, oh, yeah, Seafood yeah. and Roy or my math and English teachers, of course. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Or they would, they, I've been asked, and this is a funny question too, and I've been, you know, traveling or whatever. Oh, do you know um, Joe Smith that happens to work at the Venetian? No, I no. sure don't. Or they'd ask me when I worked at the Mirage, do you know Sally Barnes that works in the pit? Well, there's 3,000 employees at the Mirage, and I don't know all of them. It's a very big city, sir. Yeah, but what's even funnier is even now, like I have run into people or I've met people and we'll talk about, you know, we've lived here a long time and what, what did you do? And what, and people that are my good friends that I didn't know this about in years later, like, oh, I worked at the valet at the Mirage. I'm like, you did? I was at the front desk. And like, we've known each other for, that's you know, so 10 weird. years and we didn't know that. Small yeah. world. I guess that's the part of working for a huge company. <laughs> for sure. So, so you have that going out. That's what you're doing in your, your, your young adult life. And then you start raising your own kids here. Mm -hmm. um, I guess what were the more starker differences outside of the whole shift in safety? Yeah, well, I don't know. You guys never walked to school. You could have. You we just could never have. did, you know. We, we lived right next door to the elementary school. And then the one time I was put in charge of directing myself back to a house, I somehow got us lost. You, got, you No, you were by yourself that day. Oh, that's right. Do you not remember that story? It's, it's all kind of a blur. I remember trying mm. to walk home and not knowing yeah. where I was going, and then someone offered me a ride home. And you took it. I did. I just got in their car, but they did take me Mr. home in Trusty my defense. Mr. Grant, I know. You're lucky to be alive. <laughs> Somehow I, that's I did not difference. know. That's the difference. Somehow um, I did not know how to walk home, but I certainly knew the view from a car, and I yeah. got home from there. Yeah, I think the difference is, is I just always, and this could have been a me thing more than anything, just always worried about your safety. Like, would somebody take you? Would you get lost? Would you make a, you know, a choice and it would just end up harming you? Um, I was always a, a nervous, worried parent, I think. Well, I mean, that makes sense, given everything you'd experience at that point. You sure. know, it didn't really become much of a streetlight town anymore when mm -hmm. uh, uh, my sibling and I were we're, we're chillins. Um, yeah, I don't remember <laughs> being a particularly adventurous youth or a stay out all mm -hmm. all night kind of person. I was very yeah. content to be inside and I guess yeah, you, worked out. <laughs> you both were kind of homebodies and you enjoyed your at-home time, as do I, you know. Still do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're bored in the house and the house bored. Thank you, COVID. 
there's been parts of this pandemic from like I'm going absolutely stir crazy and I just want to go out yeah. and enjoy myself and see my friends mm-hmm. or my family yeah. and you guys then there's other times where I'm like man I just love getting off of work and going right to the couch and taking a nap this is great <laughs> but that's a very, that comes from a very place of privilege thing because I haven't lost my job and I haven't like right. had to make any major life adjustments yeah. And I, I've worked more this last, since March 18th, when we went on lockdown than I ever have in my entire life. So right. I'm well, so you're, busy. You're starting your own practice and whatnot. Yeah. And- I started a business the week before lockdown. Smart. <laughs> but Never I'm so failed. busy. I can't keep up. <laughs> see, it works, see, it works out. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Vegas stereotypes and the, mm-hmm. the things that folks associate with us, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about like some of your, your favorite like local Vegas things, people, acts. Mm-hmm. And sure. uh, I was, you know, joking around with, with Ari yesterday. And I, since you were a teenager in the 80s and you guys had a big Vegas celebrity hit the big time when you were a teenager and as did we, I mm-hmm. wanted to say, ask you, who ended up being a bigger deal to the locals, Tony Basil or the Killers? Probably more people know the killers now than they did Tony Basil. She had, she's a one hit person, but maybe what you don't know about her is she has been the longtime choreographer for Bette Midler's show. Every time Bette Midler has performed, that's the person that choreographs all of her stuff. You're right. I did not know yeah. that. Tony and did you know like, that your grandmother taught her in high school? That I did know. See, that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to, to bring her up because you had someone who you could have been like in the orbit of. Yeah. Who's suddenly one of like the biggest like has one of the biggest songs ever uh, for those who don't know tony basil was the 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 artist the the avant-garde <laughs> performer of the hit 80 single hey mickey um, yes and also i went to junior high and high school with her brother gino so <laughs> gino yes their dad was their last name was actually basilotto and he was the i think at the dunes he was the band director at the dunes back in the day oh wow yeah, so. I, I didn't know that either. It's mm-hmm. it's funny because there's uh, there's places here in town that do like 80s nights and stuff and they play the Hey Mickey music video. Of course they do. <laughs> and you know, she's in that music video, like, you know. In not... her Las Vegas high school cheerleader outfit. Exactly. That's my favorite yeah. like Las Vegas trivia piece when I show people that video. I'm like, do you know what uh, uh, LVHS stands for on her uniform? They're like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it real hard. Where do you live? Where are we right now? Yeah. And then you go, that, that's Tony Basil. She is from Vegas. And I believe she went to Green Valley, same as you, right? No, she went to Las Vegas High School. Oh, duh. I just literally said, what does yeah, that stand for? She's, <laughs> she and your grandmother, my mother, taught there until 1964. So she would have graduated or been in the high school then. Yeah, I was reading mm-hmm. about her before we started talking today. Because, like, you know, I get a worm in my brain. So I go down a, a deep yeah. hole. And, you know, she looks she's presenting herself as a cheerleader and like in high school in that uniform in that video and then i was like wait she's 76 now she is yeah <laughs> and i'm like what? she's 10 years <laughs> younger than your grandmother yeah i was like i i thought she was like significantly younger given mm-hmm. the the stories i vaguely remembered from yeah. you and my and uh, my grandmother but like dang <laughs> yeah for sure but people then, get older fast i don't know how it happens <laughs> I, I just thought she was way younger than she was because uh, of that video. I thought that. Well, yeah. someone else that I went to high school with that you may know is Greg Maddox, right? Yes. Fa- famous baseball man. Yeah. 
Greg Maddox. I, I remember you went to high school with him. Did you, did you ever, like, know him, know him? Yeah, we went to junior high and high school, and, you know, I'm a M. He's an M, and I my initial was an N, so we would sometimes be, like, testing rooms. But I don't know if I was in his circle of friends necessarily, but definitely I do know who he is and had had conversations. And yeah, I've not kept up with him whatsoever. He came to one of our reunions during a baseball strike once, but that was it. <laughs> I'm bored, whatever, I'll go to the reunion. Mm-hmm. Nothing else to do. Uh, Aries graduating class has uh, had Chris Bryant, yes. who is a very famous uh, World Series winner with the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs. Yes. And, uh, well, I think Greg, Greg also, he played for the Cubs. I don't, did he win a World Series with the Atlanta Braves? I want to say I, yes. I don't remember, to be honest. Baseball is not my strong suit. Yeah. But um, I remember he just won the World Series and he gets like a huge contract extension for like stupid amounts of money, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, Ari got like an invite to like their class reunion and stuff. And all anyone wanted to be like, is Chris going to make it? Yeah. He's like, what do you think? <laughs> he might like, be busy. Your class president isn't going to make it to that reunion. <laughs> I feel like that tradition has gone by the wayside for a lot of folks. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, because it used to be, um, even when I went to my very you know the 10-year reunion is you never saw anybody because now it's facebook snapchat yeah tiktok instagram <laughs> all, all those buttons on all your those phone. other things yeah <laughs> yeah i think the killers became a significantly bigger deal i just learned today they're going to do halftime for the raiders home opener who's that uh the killers oh from uh, a hotel roof i saw that too yes <laughs> i was like in front of all the nobody yeah <laughs> All of game. no one. Well, if they're on the roof, maybe the COVID won't get them. Yeah, no, that may that that checks out. The higher you are, right, the closer yeah. to the sun, doesn't do well in heat. Supposedly, that right. worked out. Right. <laughs> um, I was. Oh yeah. So, um, grew up here. What were some of like your favorite places to go? Like your favorite Vegas mm-hmm. hotspots that sure. maybe people are or aren't aware of there used to be a restaurant in town called the alpine village inn and it was a german restaurant and you the upstairs was fancy so you would dress up nice and go there and my parents took us i think twice like dressing up um but the downstairs was called the rascaler and down there they you people would drink beer and throw peanuts on the ground and get rowdy and there was an accordion player and all that kind of stuff so but the upstairs the thing i remember the most is they had these giant baked potatoes with all of their meals really good right but they had a little sign in it and it was a potato on the sign like with an apology face saying sorry i'm so small but i'll be delicious <laughs> and it was just this joke about this big potato i love but that I, yeah i remember that um another thing that i really liked was there was a store in town called vegas village and it was kind of like the target of today and you would go there and so there was the grocery side side and my parents or mom or whoever we'd be with would go grocery shopping and then they'd let us go to the toy department while they did the grocery shopping <laughs> so we would be in the toy department and they'd have to just come find us <laughs> oh i love that <laughs> yeah um there was another place called von tobel and that was a family here in town there's actually a school named von tobel but we would go there and they sold things like hardware but they also had a really a big tv department so they'd put us in front of a tv and we'd sit there and watch the tv while they went and did what they needed to do and if my dad took us we would always get an ice cream cone but if both of them were there we'd never get an ice cream cone because uh, my mom like you don't need ice cream lame Come yeah on, lame See, we didn't get those kind of like local things. I think we got so uh, commercialized by the time that 
we were kids and doing stuff. A treat for us, like, can we go to Blockbuster? Yeah, that was our Friday night adventure. Or we go to the bookstore, and um, the two of you would sit on the floor reading, like, your manga and your anime books. Yep. And we'd be whatever, doing our thing, too. <laughs> or, like, um, I remember, like, going to Best Buy, or maybe it was Costco. I don't remember. But one of those, like, larger stores that have, like, TVs towards the front, mm-hmm. so you can, like, see the yeah. big living room displays. And yeah. like I have a very distinct remember being in junior high and you needed to do like grocery shopping or something. And I was like, um, this TV is playing holes. I'm gonna just hang out here. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> and you were old enough that I was like, okay, don't move. You right. know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, I think that's one of the bigger differences is now a lot of stuff here doesn't have like that 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 older mm-hmm. like small town stores or right. charm and stuff because they go like downtown or to the strip yeah. or something you know even even our my childhood restaurant and your childhood restaurant Makayo is now something else it's yeah. closed and doesn't changed to something else but that was the first restaurant I ever went to and I think probably maybe the first one we took you guys to I don't remember if it was the first one but definitely part of my childhood that I shared with you are there any like hole in the wall places today that like you recommend people? I feel like people come to Vegas looking for like, what should mm-hmm. I do on the strip? And it's like, well, if you don't want to spend $500, uh, there's plenty of other stuff to do around here. Yeah. There's, there's lots of things to do. There's, you know, I, you know, that uh, I really like to try restaurants and go different places. And mm-hmm. I, we definitely have like our favorite Thai spot is we Thai. Um, our favorite. Um, we love to go to this little place called Comex, which is, um, on the west side of town that's uh, Mexican and Korean fusion so good bulgogi burritos and different things like that yummy um, that, that, off- that place is a hard sell you I know have you, to, you have to go there to experience it I love it I love the fried rice there um, other places that we really like there's some sushi places we like I love to go to like mom and pop owned I like to go to local owned places that aren't commercial I don't think I've been to an Applebee's or a Chili's forever I mean yeah, I just, why go when there's so many other things to to choose yeah, from I agree there's this new Mexican restaurant that opened up do tell um, <laughs> um, it's, it's 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 a bit different from Macayos or anything like that but um, it's a it's a place called Dos Gallos oh, okay very 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 good food um uh, I, I believe we went either like just before the pandemic started or just mm-hmm. when it was like, I don't know, it was like pre-mask mandate. I don't know, something yeah. like that. But when you it wasn't the house. Right. It wasn't when I was scared shitless to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that, that place is really good and they're fairly new-ish. Um, they, they make really great, um, unique kind of tacos and mm-hmm. burritos and stuff. Like it, it's, I'm, I'm pitching it like it's not super <laughs> unique, but there, there is something very delicious about how they do their food well i know that you really like the vegan hot dog place yes i still not tried it i need to try that place friends friends of the show uh fido's vegans hot dog um yes um very good friends of mine um and and other friends of ours turned us on to this place they're pretty much like a a vendor and they've been Mm -hmm. uh they they pretty much only open on weekends if you follow them on instagram i believe it's just at fido's vegan they post when and where they're selling their Mm -hmm. things um, but but super good. I mean, I I've been a hot dog fan <laughs> yes. for for a while. A good hot dog, though. A good yeah. hot dog, not a, just like you, mm, you need a good hot dog. dog. Yeah, I, I I can't do the the microwave hot dogs anymore, especially because like I don't know if I think too much about a hot dog, it's just like ugh. But <laughs> their, their solution, they make it super delicious. They have a whole bunch of like great toppings on it. 
you know, I think people hear vegan and go, oh, you shouldn't like do that to a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Don't make it stupid healthy, which is like, don't worry. Because <laughs> you can still get that 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 thing with like imitation nacho cheese. I, I enjoy what one of their things called the, the, the crispy cowboy, mm-hmm. which is like chili and onions and it's super good mm-hmm. and it's all mm-hmm. vegan and it's good for you. Um, highly recommend that place if you ever get the chance to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Fido's Vegan because um, one thing that I like to do for these interviews here is I kind of throw questions out to the general public to see if anybody has any surprise questions for our guest. And uh, one of them actually came from one of the owners of Fido's Vegan. Mm. So this will be exciting for you. And it, yes, um, so I, I, do, I do plan on trying them. I just they're on the rotation of ideas of places to eat look if we get nothing else from this episode at the very least we got Fido's vegan one customer <laughs> <laughs> but um I, so uh, my friend monica is her name uh she wanted to Hi, know, monica welcome to the show <laughs> welcome aboard she <laughs> wanted to ask uh, what's with the huge mormon temple at the edge of vegas i always wondered about its history and well, hey look something you're uniquely qualified to talk about <laughs> yes so i was Actually, you know this, but your listeners don't. I um, was a Mormon missionary, LDS missionary. Um, I went to Tokyo, Japan. And during the time that I was there from 87 to 88, the temple was groundbreaking and it started being built. But um, maybe something that your people don't know about Las Vegas, it was actually um, created or founded or uh, by um, Mormon missionaries that were sent here by Brigham Young to make friends with the Native Americans in the area and to look for water and those kinds of things. And um, our family actually has a little unique connection to that. There's a place out at the lake called Colville Bay, and that's um, my dad, your grandfather's great-grandfather, Anson Call. So Mm -hmm. our family was part of the founding people here in the valley, the Vegas Valley. But um, the LDS Temple, the... Um, community of Mormons here in town worked for many years to um, get enough attendance wise for church and to be able to have an LDS temple and it opened in let's see 1990 no 1989 88 or 89 I came home from Japan I worked at the open house so probably 89 Um, and it's just been there ever since I don't know. Did you want more history than that? No, I think that's great. I think people um, hear um, two conflicting things because sometimes they hear uh, Vegas was founded by Mormons, so maybe the temple Mm -hmm. followed suit. I don't think a lot of people know how recent it is and how, like, usually the story of a Mormon temple going up isn't, like, a super, like, dramatic or exciting Mm -hmm. story unless it's from, like, the 1800s. But I, I think that sheds a lot of light in it. Do you know anything about like why they chose the part of town they put it in? I think it was the view. I mean, I don't know exactly why they chose that. I, um, it's just interesting that part of town and you can do this history. There used to be a cave up there and this lady lived in the cave. What? <laughs> That's, I know there was like the, the cave lady of sunrise mountain, but I think it was the location really. But what's interesting is it's one of the only temples that has no visitor center. So you can't like visit Las Vegas and go there and have a lesson or anything because the, the surrounding houses around it fought so hard not to have it there because hmm. they thought their property values would go down and it would held this traffic. So um, that was the concession not to have a visiting set, a visitor center or to have any other things happening there, just the temple. But really what's happened is the uh, area around it 
specifically the property value has skyrocketed. There's multi-million dollar homes up there. And I think the view is wonderful. I mean, you can see the whole valley from up, up oh, on the yeah. mountain. No, it, it's gorgeous. It like looks right next to those, those mountains in the area. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, it's kind of on top of a hill, so you can kind of see it everything. It is. It's right at the bottom of Sunrise Mountain, which the locals will call Sunrise Mountain, but it's actually called Frenchman's Mountain. Oh, really? See that? Yeah. See, I'm learning all kinds of things about that area. I didn't know about the name. I didn't know mm -hmm. about the lady who lived in a cave. Oh, yeah, that's really <laughs> interesting. The cave lady. Um, do you, what's her deal? I, I don't care about anything else now. She, I want to come she was like lady. this, she was this person. Oh, um, George Knapp did a, a whole series of um, reports about her, but she lived up there and she she wasn't okay. Like she probably in a mental health term was, you know, had some paranoia and some any issues but she lived up there and she'd come out of the cave sometimes and just people knew about her i don't know what the the significance or the why but she was up there i'm gonna do some research on this on yeah. my own now because now this I, i'm completely intrigued by that um yes our our next question here well, i guess our last one from the uh, the the audience fan mm -hmm. questions um uh, you know this person this is our friend alex hi um, alex she wanted to know, have you ever been to the Neon Museum? And if you have, have, what's your favorite sign there? Yes. So I talked about Alpine Village. I think you were with us when we went to the Neon Museum because we took your grandparents. We Many went to Macayo yes. first. Yes. We went to Macayo and then we went to the museum because it was kind of cool. But they have the Alpine Village sign there. I was so excited to see it again. It has this little guy and he's lighter leader hosen is that how you say it leader hosen yeah he's like waving or doing something but yeah that was there um the dune sign was there um and that to me is a cool thing because i worked at the mirage when the dunes actually was imploded and we from the front desk we snuck up on the 30th floor where the windows were overlooking the dunes and we watched it come down in that big smoke um what else was there that was cool there's a lot of really cool things there was um I forget which sign it's for, but there's this one like big neon duck that I yeah. like a lot, but I forget I what the, it's tied to. There was a Vegas Village sign there too, I believe, and there was oh. a the um, Anderson Dairy sign was there. That was a big deal growing up. For those who um, aren't in the know, the Neon Museum, I believe it used to be called the Neon Graveyard before it, it became did. the museum, but it was where um, post-implosion or demolition of anything that used like one of those famous Vegas neon signs, it mm -hmm. would just end up there. So instead of having them all kind of like gathering dust and scrap or what have you, there was a, a group that got together to um, memorialize that part of Vegas history. Yeah. And now it's a museum you can walk through and learn yeah. about all those old casinos. The Moulin Rouge sign is there. And the Moulin Rouge was the first segregated um, casino in Las Vegas, which was on Bonanza. It has since burned down, but they were able to save the sign. No. <laughs> yeah. That, I guess uh, whenever you go to the Neon Museum, it starts making you think of all those older casinos that were there. Did you have like a particular favorite that isn't standing mm -hmm. anymore? Isn't standing. I did used to love it when we would drive to my grandparents' house from where we lived. I would always beg, beg, beg to go down um, Fremont Street when you could drive on it. Mm. And we had a big Oldsmobile and I would climb up in the back window and like look at all the lights because it was they were neon or they were light bulbs and I used to love the howdy partner sign I think it's actually still there uh, Vegas Vic and we'd roll the windows down right we're like dad roll the windows down we'd roll the windows down drive slow because we want to hear him say howdy partner and that was always you fun. used to talk 
He did. That's I don't, wild. He'd say howdy, partner, and he'd wave. Yeah. Was he the one that also used to have a cigarette that they made him get rid of, or is that a it, different one? I don't think he had a cigarette. He was a cowboy. Right. Yeah. I remember I, there's, there's some sign. I think it was a sign that used to smoke, and they had to change it. Um, yeah. because it was a bad message for uh, when Vegas was trying to be more family friendly. Yeah. There was also a place on the corner of Sahara and Las Vegas Boulevard right across from the, I think it's the Sahara Hotel again. Um, it was called Foxy's Casino and they had a Dalmatian dog with a fire hose putting out a fire and that was really cool because, you know, I like dogs. I need to write an open letter to whoever becomes mayor after Carolyn Goodman and be like, bring back cool signs. Like, like, the yeah, there's no dog. neon signs anymore. Did you know that none of them are neons? Is there a reason for that? Did neon I think like it's the gas? Being... I think there's yeah. gas in the neon, yeah, yeah. Neon itself is a gas that much I remember from my brief, yeah, stint from being a big periodic table fan for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weird things I did in my youth, but no, I, I remember a lot of those like older signs. Like, I'm just old enough, but also just young enough to remember like when. Vegas's reputation was more adult, neon, like gambling and stuff. And I also very distinctly remember that transition from going from like Sin City to, and you know what happens here stays here mm-hmm. to like really angling for that big tourism yeah. family boost. The year the Treasure Island open and the Excalibur and the Luxor, they all had arcades, huge arcades and caters to families. Yeah. Um, the MGM, I, the current MGM had that theme park when they first opened with the log ride. I don't remember the theme park. Yeah, they remember. had a log ride at the theme park. I know the New York, New York has that roller coaster, mm-hmm. uh, which I've been on more times than I care to admit. <laughs> but it, I, I, I very distinctly remember that transition. And then just kind of, even like going out and talking to people, the reputation of Vegas seems to like, be intact but also be shifting at the same Mm -hmm. time i guess if there is anything you wanted people to understand about the town today like what would you be like hey everyone this is well i think that las vegas uh is still really family oriented we have lots of families that live here and we're all just um you know i've i'm on the other side of raising kids but lots of good families raising their children and just trying to be good citizens and um you know, live their, their dreams. And, you know, Vegas is just like any other middle-sized city. It's lots of little communities within the city and we're all just doing the best we can. And there's lots of businesses, you know, we've taken a big hit during this pandemic and um, we've taken big hits before. And I just have faith that we're going to recover. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, this is my hometown. This is where I was born and raised and I have lots of fond memories and I have things that are hard that just like anywhere else you know you grow up and you like things and you don't like things yeah no I, I, I'd agree with that I've, I've been very impressed in recent years how Vegas has kind of like grown but also like matured mm-hmm. to a certain point yeah um, I don't you know I've become more politically aware in my my older ages here but I like how the the city by and large beca- possibly because of it getting so much bigger and more mm-hmm. diversity coming here um but they're they've been getting more progressive minded they've been very focused on like you know youth and stuff there's a long way to yeah. go for a lot of our programs but yeah you know. you know and i'm not naive to enough to say there's vegas is violent too i mean yeah, there's it's just be. like any just like i said any town that is the size that has its good and it has its dark just like any other place and you just have to be mindful and aware and you know 
not a bad place to be, but it's just no. like anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. Sharing it's some of your childhood pleasure. stories. A mm -hmm. lot of them I didn't know. So I'm really glad we have to have this chat because we don't get to see each other as much during yeah. this whole craziness. So it's nice to have you on here and have a little Thanks recording we can go back through and, and mm -hmm. listen to. Thanks. Thank you very much. Have You're a welcome. Great You're welcome, Grant Trance. <laughs>